man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on. Welcome to Right and Wrong, the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, producer Juice. He's known by the truth box in chat rooms from here to Canada for his ability to just speak the truth all day, every day. What do you have to say to the people out there in the Right and Wrong audience today, my friend? What is gender? Well, it's what people feel they are. It's like, yeah, that's your theory, eh? That's a stupid theory. There's, it's not going anywhere, that theory. And so that's, that's just a theory that enables you to claim something like the primacy of your narcissistic whim. It has nothing to do with the careful delineation of what actually constitutes identity. And so it's complex because there, are, there is variability in masculinity and femininity on top of the binary biological substructure. And so that also means that you have to have a certain amount of tolerance for role variability. And you should, because there are masculine women and there are feminine men. And it's harder for them, in some real sense, to adopt the role that would be easily commensurate with their biological identity because they share many features temperamental features that are characteristic of the opposite sex. But that doesn't mean that they're born in the wrong body. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Keep up the good work with those. Always a pleasure to hear from you, my friend. Good stuff. Well, today we have a loaded show as usual, and here's what we'll be talking about. There's another U.S. intelligence agency that now believes COVID started in a lab in Wuhan. Wow. I'm truly shocked. Who could have ever seen this one coming? China. Ron DeSantis recently laid out the blueprint for how to properly drain the swamp. We'll share that idea with y'all in that segment. And progressive darlings, Laurie Lightfoot and John Fetterman, haven't been doing so hot lately. We'll check in on each of them and uh, once again pose the simple question of, gee, who could have ever seen this one coming? And in the come on, man, segment of the day, we'll get to visit with a pastor who believes that God lives in the world of rainbows and unicorns. So with that being said, I would like to remind everyone to please like and subscribe to the show. Don't be afraid to recommend us to a friend, especially if you work at a collision repair shop and you recently discovered the show. Tell everybody else in the shop about it, please. Drop us a comment on Apple, uh, share the show around, subscribe there uh, so you do get the notifications every time we drop a new episode, and welcome aboard. And at this point, I do believe it is now that time in the show when we would like to welcome in our good old friend, Mr. Ric Flair, because it is showtime, baby! Woo! Showtime! Woo! Woo! by this point, it's become clear and obvious how my mind looks at the things that are going on in the world. Most people out there try and look at things as if they exist in their own separate boxes. 
you have political issues over here, then you have social and cultural issues over there, and religious issues go in the box over on that side of the room. If anyone tries to tell you those issues aren't intertwined, they're just lying to you. These issues work perfectly as part of a Kamala Harris Venn diagram. Remember those three circles, how they overlap? (laughs) So that's why, for me, I enjoy analyzing the types of stories and issues that we talk about on the show through the lens of what it says about the underlying issues. What does story X, Y, or Z teach us about the root of a problem? I believe the left knows that all three categories that I mentioned are interconnected, but they've learned how to present them as separate entities. That's why the left will sit there with a straight face and tell you that a woman's right to choose is between her and her doctor. Keep the politicians out of it. Then in the next breath, use their political power to force the entire country to take an experimental vaccine. You see, because now it's not between you and your doctor anymore. It's now about following the science. The problem with the right is we've been fighting according to the left's rules for far too long now. We shy away from wielding our political power out of fear of being called authoritarian. We dance around on issues involving LGBTQ, race relations, and transgenderism because we'll be called racist and bigoted. And we've allowed the left to remove religious morality from our public square because of a misunderstanding of the phrase separation of church and state. That's a phrase that appears nowhere in the Constitution, by the way. My argument is that all three of these things politics, society, and religion work in unison, and they must be that way. What is politics? What's the role of politics? It's simply how we determine the rules that we all agree to play by. So it's like opening a board game and finding the gameplay paper inside. Politics is how we figure out the basic blueprint of the game. Now that's not to say all the rules are set in stone, Maybe when playing at the Republicans' house, the aces are high, and at the Democrats' house, aces are low. But the politics of our country basically establishes the general rules for us to follow. What about society and culture? Society and the culture that we live in ends up being the actual game board. That's where we make our moves. Sometimes we're on the attack and sometimes we're on the defense. I've said before on this show that it feels like we as conservatives are constantly on defense, specifically on most of these social issues. We do okay arguing over the rule book, but we've pretty much gotten smoked on the game board for the past 30 to 40 years. Where does religion fit into this analogy? Religion provides the moral understanding that we'll each abide by these same rules. It provides us with the mutual respect needed to acknowledge that both sides want what's best for the country, even if we have different visions for how to get there. This part of the game has been a disaster. The left has been playing with an ace up their sleeve for years now, and the rhinos on the right have been more than willing to give up on this area. I've set them up in that order because, if having to rank them, that's the order of importance each area holds on how it impacts our country. Politics is at the top because it's really difficult to completely change the rules. Our form of government was set up this way specifically to safeguard against people that would be lusting after power. The political landscape is designed with checks and balances in mind. It's also designed to prevent mob rule, which we all know is the left's ultimate dream. Remember what James Madison wrote about the proposed federal government in the Federalist Papers. Quote, If men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. End quote. 
Politics is at the top because it has that power and authority over us to either conserve what's already in place or to change the existing standards and norms. Abortions were being performed for years in this country. They were considered shameful and dangerous because it was an illegal act. Think back to what Swayze's dance partner partner had to go through in Dirty Dancing. Now fast forward to after Roe vs. Wade and the amount of abortions has skyrocketed and they became a symbol of pride and independence. That's an example of a social minority that used political power to then change the culture that we live in. Before that decision in 1973, how many people would have felt comfortable openly defending a woman's right to choose? But since that point, the sides have flip-flopped. That's a perfect example of how politics shapes the society we live in. Think about how the societal and cultural norms have changed over the years with how we view drugs. Now, believe me, I'm no stranger when it comes to dabbling with a marijuana cigarette from time to time. But our country used to consider that a big no-no. Think back to the, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs commercials. Our country no longer thinks drugs are bad. In fact, we now have politicians advocating for safe sites where junkies are allowed to shoot up heroin. You don't think this soft on drugs mindset within the culture has had an impact on the soft on bigs pharma mindset from our politicians? Of course it has. And it now leaves us living in a country where everyone you know is on antidepressants, painkillers, pot, heroin, or they're an alcoholic. (laughs) Now, I'm just half joking about that, but you get the point. Where does religion play into all this? That was the first domino to fall. Strong religious communities produce strong, cohesive religious families. Strong families within strong communities means less of a need for government social programs. Less government programs means less control for the politicians. When you eliminate the need for government to run social programs, you take away the politicians' ability to reward their friends and family with easy government jobs. You know who feeds the poor? Religious communities. You know who helps those in need that are addicted to drugs and alcohol? Church groups. Guess who clothes the poor? Religious folks. The government came in and usurped that role, and they did it by taking more of the American taxpayers' money to fund their social programs. The politicians made us less reliant on charity, specifically religious charity, and they made us more reliant on them. The government also started to remove religious moral teaching within the school environment. I mean, having the oldest historical book ever written removed from the classroom was a no-brainer, right? What harm could ever come from that? The Bible is so universally used that I'm sure most people don't even realize when they're actually using it. How many teachers have used the golden rule when attempting to teach their students basic decency since the removal of the Bible from the classrooms? You know the one. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. Now think about how many secular atheists have used the golden rule without realizing that Jesus teaches that during the Sermon on the Mount. It's right there in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Now think of all those kids that were educated within the public school system over the course of the last 30, 40, 50 years that missed out on the understanding that the Bible is a great tool for providing you with a moral compass. Those kids have grown up and abandoned their faith and religion because of the influence of the culture they were raised in. 
a culture that was molded by a political decision to remove religion from the public square. So the next time you hear someone say the separation of church and state or I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal, just remember that all of these issues fall under the umbrella of politics and the decisions made in one area affect all areas. The left gets that. It's time for the right to stop playing by those same rules. I love Venn diagrams. All right, so it is that time in the show where we get to go to our rights and wrongs of the week and uh, talk about some of the issues going on out there today. So what is uh, story number one, Juice? What do you think? Yes, that is right. That one's a pretty important one. We're going to dig in on this story from a U.S. intelligence agency now believing that COVID started in a lab in Wuhan. Wow. What could have given that away, huh? I mean... Took what three three years now? We're at year number three for these agencies to start determining what we all knew maybe two weeks after it started happening, or you know, maybe I guess a couple of months during the, the riots of twenty twenty, the summer of Floyd. I think that's when we started figuring out that this uh was man made in a laboratory. That whole bat theory, eh, not really buying that one so much. But now this is the second U.S. intelligence agency that's come out and expressed that they now are um, of the belief that it did start in that lab in Wuhan. How could that have ever gotten out of a laboratory? Hmm. Well, anyways, um, I'd love to play some clips from how CNN decided to cover this because that's always what it comes back to. These mainstream media companies and what they're presenting to everybody out there. You know, they're just the most trusted name in news, by the way. But CNN had the reporter from the Wall Street Journal, uh, I think his name is Michael Gordon, on to talk about this story. Um, and Gordon's the one who broke the story or wrote about it in the, um, you know, the Wall Street Journal. I will definitely give you guys a warning in advance that, um, you know, the angle that they go with and the way they try to cover this is just not surprisingly pathetic. Um, CNN, it, it's... Just the way they try to frame this whole stuff is just ridiculous. So, Juice, you want to uh, fire away with the first clip there? All right, go ahead. Clip number one. There is new intelligence that's likely to rekindle the unsettled debate over the origins of COVID. The U.S. Department of Energy has concluded that it most likely came from a lab leak and not from an infected animal. But two CNN sources point out the department only backs this new assessment with, quote, low confidence. Yep, yep, see? That's the angle they're going to go right off the bat. Only backs it with low confidence. And the other one, the other agency, I think it was the FBI maybe, um, they they backed it with medium confidence. They'll get to that part a little bit later. But it just the, the splitting of hairs here is just ridiculous. But that's the way they're going to try and go with it. All right, let's get back into um, you know more of the interview. So I think that was that um, Mr. Jim Acosta the one who loves himself so much, stands in front of the mirror every day just reminding himself that he is the Jim Acosta. Um, he's interviewing the guy, uh, so here's a little bit of what they were talking about when they touched on how cooperative the Chinese government has been in the investigation so far into their lab. Juice, you want to play number two for us? 
Michael, I guess one of the problems here is that uh, China has not exactly been very cooperative in helping uh, the U.S. or the rest of the world, for that matter, get to the bottom of this. Without that kind of cooperation, will we ever know with any kind of certainty where the virus came from? Again, that kind of tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? We need China's cooperation to help us figure this out. The simple fact that they're avoiding cooperating with everybody, simple fact that they let it get out of their country to try and avoid blame for it should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, if they had nothing to hide here, if they weren't trying to, you know, mess with the investigations, then maybe you'd have a leg to stand on. But why are they not cooperating? Because it came from their lab. Like, come on, wake up here. All right, let's uh, let's finish up the clips in this segment with the third one. This one's a little bit longer. They kind of touch on um, our, our favorite flip-flopper out there, Mr. Fauci, for where he now stands or doesn't stand or who knows. But, um, you know, listen to the question and then, then the response, and we'll jump back in. Juice, you got that one, number three? Yeah, and I mean, I remember covering this uh, when this lab leak theory first developed uh, during the Trump administration. I spoke with a senior administration official who said, no, we have to consider this as a possibility. And I remember uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, who was really the leading scientist uh, during the Trump and, and some of the Biden years uh, on COVID, uh, saying, no, he, he really thought it was a, a virus that came from a jump from animal to human. And we just are seemingly stuck in this debate ever since. Do you think that this uh, is going to change the debate? Uh, where do you see it headed? Well, uh, first of all, Dr. Fauci now says, and I heard him recently, um, he, that he's open to both views, although he right. certainly tends toward the natural view. But what's happened, Jim, is that initially the theory was, well, it left from an animal host to a human being. And that why was that? Because that's how it had happened uh, before. But now right. we're three years into this. They've never found an animal, not one. Um, and there's been renewed attention on the kind of research activity that was going on in Wuhan and the safety conditions under which that uh, activity was being carried out, which is not high. And so the absence of an animal host, no one has ever been found, and uh, study of Chinese academic papers and more knowledge about the kind of coronavirus research they were doing there with an eye toward finding out a vaccine, presumably, um, has focused renewed attention on the lab. So what we have now is circumstantial evidence but circumstantial evidence that is tending to lean uh, more in favor of the lab theory. What we don't have is anything like conclusive evidence of one or the other. And uh, I don't think uh, the jury's out on this. I think uh, certainly the crazy, crazy. And he rambles on a little bit more about Congress going to investigate more and stuff. But like, what else do you really need to see here? I mean, what does your common sense tell you? What's your gut tell you? Like, I hate these like the the analytical nerds in the world today need to have everything down precisely this that studied and the other thing but i mean use your eyes here people they haven't been able to locate an animal they he says that in there like like there's no evidence to prove to that at all yet there is evidence that the chinese don't really have good safeguards in place at that lab um they're not following the proper protocol and the fact that their reaction to this after the fact kind of tells you, again, what you need to know. You don't really need to try to connect too many dots there. So I don't understand how that's so difficult for some people. Like, it's just kind of seems to be pretty 
pretty basic common sense to me. Um, but again, they're going to go with this low confidence, medium confidence. What about double secret, super duper confidence? Have they reached that level yet? Anybody? Anyone know about that? It's like these agencies that are operating like they are a uh, personality test. Here's a statement. Now, bubble in one of these five options. Strongly agree, agree, not sure, disagree, or strongly disagree. That's the way these things are, are being <laughs> being done right now. It's like, come on. And you guys realize we have about 18 intelligence agencies looking into this stuff? Why do we need 18 different intelligence agencies? Especially if only two of them can somewhat agree that COVID started in that lab in Wuhan. Like this, again, like is, is going to lead into our next segment pretty good because uh, it's time to start draining this swamp. You got to start shaving these departments down a little bit. Maybe consolidate. Instead of 18, maybe we can get, get by with six, nine, maybe cut them in half. So this is just ridiculous. Again, I hate to just kind of use common sense because like everyone wants stats and evidence and stuff. And hey, I'm not a scientist. I'm not you know, a bureaucrat. I'm not over there investigating this stuff specifically, but just an American citizen who has a brain in his head, just like you. What do you guys think happened? Next. I'd say strong to quite strong. Yeah. yeah. So this next one, uh, I'd love to play a clip that we have from the great governor of Florida, hopefully the future next president of the United States, Mr. Ron DeSantis. He lays out a plan on how to drain that swamp in D.C. So DeSantis was recently a guest on the Life, Liberty, and Levine show with Mark Levine. And uh, Ron from Florida was asked how it's possible to drain that swamp when having to deal with federal employees who have civil service and union protection. I think he had, uh, he had this to say. Juice, you want to pull up that clip? I think they wanted to exercise power over other people. So if you look at, like, all these entrenched bureaucrats, CDC, NIH... FD, they need to be cleaned out because they totally failed uh, and they're not uh, advocating for the best interests of the people uh, of this country. Uh, it's been a total disaster. Yeah, it's hard to remove them, you know, with the civil service rules and then the union rules and all the rest. And uh, well, there was one uh, you know, there was a proposal uh, that I think a lot of us wanted to see under the prior administration to, to do a Schedule F. So anybody that has any policy role is classified as a Schedule F, and they can be removed uh, by, by the president. The left would litigate that, but I honestly think we would win on that in the Supreme Court. And I also think it's one thing to have some type of job rules for the, the bowels of the bureaucracy, like your supervisor, what they can do. President of the United States has Article II power. Who controls the executive branch? Right. Is it the elected president or... Is it some bureaucrat in the bowels of the bureaucracy that can't be fired? And so I think push needs to come to shove on this. But whoever gets a majority of the Electoral College is has the right to impose their agenda mm -hmm. through the executive branch. Right. And what they did with President Trump was basically try to nullify the election through not only bureaucratic intransigence, but malfeasance with the collusion hoax and some of those things. And so reconstitutionalizing government starts with reconstitutionalizing the executive branch under Article 2. Absolutely love it. Great idea. Put these people on notice because that was the big problem in the Trump administration. 
He did a lot of good stuff, but he got muddled down and, and, and dragged into the mud, through the mud. I don't know. I just keeked that saying, but, um, yeah, he got, you know, held back by all these people that are just career bureaucrats that are in these agencies, you know, working under protections and they just muddled his stuff up. They, they, you know, did that ridiculous hoax, the Russian collusion nonsense, and they made it very difficult for him to enact his agenda. And that just needs to stop. And again, it's, I feel like Republicans come across as, as almost like they, they try to get like, like labeled as paranoid when it comes to some of this stuff. But all these people in, in these agencies that they, they definitely lean more Democrat than Republican. We know that we know how this stuff works and they're in there and they truly believe that they're doing what's best for the country and stuff. So they don't mind holding up a, a Republican's agenda for the four years he's going to be there or the eight years he's going to be there because they have their jobs for the next 30 to 40 years. They're going to be within these agencies. So they just have to buy themselves a little bit of time while the Republicans in control until they can get another Democrat in and uh, do their job, you know, do do their agenda. So I love how DeSantis, you know, strong point about how you want some protections, you want your union stuff so that your boss can't like mess with you or whatever. Like you can't be unfairly treated that way. But the president of the of the United States, that person absolutely has and deserves control on how to run these agencies or what agencies to have in place in the first place. And you notice that subtle little jab he took near the beginning of the clip too, where he mentioned that, you know, one of the things that we failed to do and it was proposed under the last administration was blah, 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 blah. And he's pretty much, you know, he's signaling that Trump could have done this, but he didn't. Trump ran on a drain the swamp, you know, campaign slogan, which was awesome, but he didn't really drain the swamp. And that's one of his biggest failures. I love a lot of what he did, but he definitely left too much um, bureaucratic power in place after he left. And, you know, it's it's his, one of his major, major downfalls um, or failures in his presidency, because most of what he was able to do got completely undone and reversed with a stroke of a pen by geriatric Biden president unity once he came in so it really if you really want to make some effective change going forward you need to kind of follow this model that desantis uh just laid out and he seems like just the right guy to go ahead and do it so for that um you know he's definitely earned my vote you know he's earned it already before this but that is just music to my ears when i hear a plan like that laid out so great job ron in florida next it's called the swamp for a reason all right, so you guys heard the uh, news last week that Mayor, or at the beginning of the week, I think it was, yeah, Mayor Laurie Lightfoot is out after one term in Chicago as their mayor. So you guys all remember her, Mayor Laurie Lightfoot in Chicago there, the one who is just so black and so gay, just like the untalented White House press secretary, that I'm sure she thought there was no way she'd be able to lose her reelection bid. Well, guess what? When your city is possibly the most unsafe place in the country and you try and rule with a lockdown iron fist, you lose that reelection bid, Mayor. It also doesn't help that when you have an off-putting personality and you pull stunts like only granting interviews to black reporters, um, 
you know, that's not going to do you any favors either when it comes election time. But of course, you know, she's not going to take this laying down. It's not because of her bad policy, um, inability to curb crime in her city, uh, you know, inability just to be an effective leader. It's not that. That's not the reason why she's out. You know, according to Lightfoot herself, last Saturday before the Saturday before the election in the New Yorker, she uh, had this to say. Critics of my four-year tenure just don't want to see a black woman in leadership. I am a black woman, let's not forget, she told the outlet. Certain folks, frankly, don't support us in leadership roles. So that's the reason why she's not going to win. You get it? You get it? You know, she lives in a city that's got one of the highest black populations in the country. She was elected by an overwhelming majority the first time around. And now that people got a taste of how she would lead and run the city over the course of four years and see how terrible she is, now they decide they want somebody else. And now, at this point, it's because they don't want to see a black woman in charge. They don't want to see, um, you know, a black woman in a leadership role. No, they were perfectly willing to see a black woman in a leadership role. That's why they voted for you. They thought you would be a leader. They thought you'd be good at your job. But they were wrong. And that's the beautiful thing about this country. You get to fix your mistakes every four years or every six years or every two years. We have a lot of different election time frames, huh? Well, anyways, um, yes, you are on the clock every time you're in the, one of these positions. And, you know, don't do a good job. They'll vote your ass out like they just did. So it's been nice knowing you may a light foot, but you're going to have to go. Run along and go somewhere else, please, because you are out. Next. Beetle, uh, Beetle Juice? Yes, that's it! Name's Beetlejuice? Ah, you said it twice, just say it once more, come on. Hey, what about Mr. John Fetterman? The, uh, you guys remember him, the one who suffered a stroke and now has brain damage, yet was able to win a election as a senator in the state of pennsylvania yep that guy remember the one who started the debate by saying good night and hello thank you for having me this evening <laughs> like that jackass um again i'm just gonna tell you guys who could have ever saw this one coming yeah i mean guy suffers a stroke before the primary too so they could have replaced him with another democrat Yet this jackass in the family around him, specifically his power hungry wife, allow him to continue to seek this position after he had a stroke. They have him out there campaigning across the state, you know, in his best hoodie everywhere he goes. Going out there trying to talk to people where he can't even, you know, form proper sentences, can't communicate. Can't understand what people are saying to him. Comes in. He wins. He beats Dr. Oz. Because, you know, Dr. Oz just, I don't know. I, I don't know a ton about him, but he just didn't come across as a very good candidate to me. Especially in that state. You know, the Fetterman campaign correctly labeled, you know, Oz as somebody who just wasn't a Pennsylvanian. Didn't live there. Wasn't from there. Like that type of stuff. And that played well. It did. And. You know, the Republicans should have ran a better candidate against them. But anyways, 
this guy was still able to win and then comes in. He's been an elected senator for, what, 50 days now, something like that. And two weeks ago, he checked himself into Walter Reed Medical Center because of severe mental health issues. How do we end up here? Maybe when you put the brain damaged guy who had a stroke in there as a senator and he gets there and realizes now he has to live in Washington, D.C., he's on his own trying to attend these, you know, attend to his busy schedule, trying to do the work of a senator that, wow, this is really hard. This is a lot of work. Need a lot of energy and mental stamina to do this. Need to be able to comprehend basic sentences. Need to be able to communicate with my peers and with my constituents. Wow, I kind of said that right this time. Hmm, making progress. Um, anyways, I mean, who could have saw this one? There's no reason this guy should have been in the race. Everybody around him in his personal life, on his campaign, on his staff, should feel great shame in what they did. It's it's sad to see, and it, it's frankly pathetic. Um, and, and not against him. The guy had a stroke. He should be, you know, recovering. He should be suffering some mental fatigue, mental issues. Of course, he just shouldn't have been running as to be a senator. And again, the people around him, how do you look yourself in the mirror? How, how do you how are you married to this man? His wife, who, again, is, a, is an activist, a progressive activist who loves the position she's now in because of him winning this. How do you put that stuff ahead of the health of the one you love, your husband? That is just, that's cold. It really is. And, you know, the people who voted for him, the people who ran him, and the people who are close to him and who claim to love him should be ashamed of themselves. Next. And that'll do it for the rights and wrongs of the week. Stick around because we have one more segment to go. It's the always fun, always popular Come on, man. Segment of the day. Hi. Good night, everybody. All right. So before jumping into the come on, man segment of the day, I will have to uh, kind of pat myself on the back and the producer over there on his back for officially making it to the one year mark with this show. Yes, that's right, my friends. Last year, on March 1st of 2022, we did produce the very first episode of the Right and Wrong show called A Reason to Rant. I haven't gone back and listened to it yet because I'm sure it's going to make me cringe uh, <laughs> at how awkward and maybe bad it, it's going to sound compared to where we're at today. Who knows? I'm not sure. I'll, I'll check that one out at some point. But yeah, it's pretty big accomplishment. We, you know, I've no stranger to sharing that we'd like to be a little bit Further along with the amount of followers we have and the buzz we were able to create with the show, we're not quite where we want to be with that yet, but um, just to be able to do it pretty much consistently, you know, missed a few weeks here and there, but pretty consistent with it um, for a whole year is is something to be proud of. And I know I am. I know the truth box is over there as well. So, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to do it unless... We knew people were still listening to it, so I really appreciate like the text messages we get from the listeners out there, you know, the ones that we do know personally, and from the comments that you guys leave on the, um, you know, the show page. 
and everything like that. So that stuff helps. It helps at least remind us that there are people involved, invested in like in what we uh, have to say and what we bring to the table. So uh, thank you guys so much for sticking with us for a year. Again, we wouldn't be able to do a show if nobody at all was listening except uh, the Juice Box and the beautiful Miss Ashley. So, um, oh, and and Miss Keeks, too. Uh, If it wasn't just us and our wives listening to it, we wouldn't be able to do the show. So, all right. With that being said, it's time to shift gears and move into the segment that you guys all know about. It's been a staple of the show since day one, but this is our come on, man, segment of the day. And it's simply when we find somebody who says it does something so ridiculous that even with us sitting here making fun of them for a couple minutes, there's really nothing else you could say to them except, come on, man. And that's that's the whole idea behind this segment. So um, why don't we move over to the clip of the week? Who do we got, Juice? Oh, yes, that is right. This one is going to be from a pastor who... Uh, Kind of went a little off topic there with what he had to say. And I know you can't see the clip that I'm about to play, but this guy had, um, you know, his, his sash that they wear, the, the um, you know, the scarf looking thing that they wear. Yeah, good Catholic boy over here doesn't, doesn't know what it's really supposed to be called. But it's rainbow colored, all rainbow colored. And he's sitting there and decides to go on this little um, little speech. Juice? God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. God is black. God is white. God is Middle Eastern. God is Asian. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God is you, and you are God because you are a reflection of God's divine image. There's only one person who's mentally and differently abled in that clip, and it ain't God. I'll tell you that right off the bat. Can you believe that? That's this guy talking to his congregation. That is so insulting and, and just ridiculous that uh, who could buy that? God created man in the image of God, not the other way around, my friend. This guy's trying to fit God into the boxes of all the people the, the the people he's trying to speak to there. He wants everyone's feelings to be intact and to feel great and warm and fuzzy inside. He's dumbing down his message to try to placate all the gays and lesbians and transes and blacks and whites and, you know, anything else out there. He doesn't care what you are. He's going to try and make his message speak to you. We shouldn't be trying to conform God to us, to make God more like us. We need to try and make ourselves more like God. We need to shoot for perfection, like we mentioned last week. And it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But when you get people like this jackass, they're trying to tell you that God is gay, God is a lesbian. It's certainly not going to make it any easier. I can't believe he went there with that. Gender non-conforming. No, 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 no. Those are the the imperfect human beings that are gay and lesbian and gender non-conforming and black and white and brown and yellow. That's us, the sinners of the world, the ones who can't comprehend the mystery of faith. That's not God. God is God. 
That's it. He's not all those other things. God was human once when he lived on this earth as Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. And that guy was not gay, lesbian, trans. He was, he was the son of man coming to save us, to set us free from our sin and deliver us the opportunity at eternal life in heaven with God. He's offering us an opportunity to be more like God. Again, not an opportunity to have God be more like us. I know it was a short clip. Usually we go a little bit longer with some of those things, but that one just stood out so bad to me. Like, oh, I saw that one on Twitter and just cringed. And this guy, like he, he's saying it with this smirk on his face, like he discovered this great, great aha eureka moment. Oh, I, I finally understand it. This is what it is. No, sir, you don't. You've never been further from the truth. And you continue to lie to the people that go to your church, and you're going to bring them down that road with you. You right there, you might be a pastor. You might be up there giving a sermon. But you, my friend, have the devil working in you. You have been corrupted by temptation. You have been blinded to the light. You've gone the wrong way with this. And again, you're leading a large amount of people with you in the wrong direction. And that is super dangerous and not okay at all. Everybody who goes there should should be shaking their head in disgust at, at that type of message and delivery. So for that crazy pastor who thinks God's a gay, lesbian, transgender being, you, my friend, have earned yourself one big, fat, classic Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Give us a like, five-star review, and uh, tell a friend about us, please. Until next week, I have nothing else to say to you guys except thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and Makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.